Jesus, we are grateful. We are grateful for all that you have done for us. We are grateful for the life that you have given to us. We are grateful for your spirit that is in us. We are grateful for bringing the whole heaven inside our hearts. We are so grateful, Jesus, for the light that you shine upon our path. Thank you for the kind of life that you've given us to live on the, on the earth. Oh, Lord, we are so grateful for where you are taking us. Thank you for where we are right now. Thank you for the message of the gospel that is changing us. Thank you, Father, for everything you are doing in us. Thank you for the ability to walk the works of the Spirit. Thank you for the ability to heal the sick and raise the dead, for the ability to cast out demons. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the gospel that is in our mouth. Thank you for the training that we are going through. Thank you because at the end of this time, we are going to be blessed. We ban every distraction in this atmosphere in the name of Jesus. And we pray that at the end of this meeting, we are going to be equipped truly for the work of ministry. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's have our seats. Glory to God forevermore. Hallelujah. Alright, so we just want to continue from where we stopped yesterday and just going to do a quick recap on some of the things we mentioned. Um, we, we're, we're talking about the life of a believer. Evangelism is our life, is what we are called to do. And look at the theology of the writer of this song. It says, he taught me how to watch and pray, living, rejoicing every day. That is, every day is supposed to meet us rejoicing. Hallelujah. And then we said that there is a whole lot that God wants us to know. And that it is beyond Jesus being a great healer. Or Jesus being a great, um, a person who makes people rich. I mean, teaching morals, right? It is about Jesus being the great savior who delivered us from our sins. Hallelujah. And I will say that this is what we must carry. So let's open our scriptures to John chapter 3. And we are just going to continue from John chapter 3. And from where we stopped actually yesterday, we stopped at the urgency, the three urgencies. These are the reasons why we must be prepared. We must be trained to be able to preach the gospel. And that's where we're starting from because these urgencies are very important. John chapter 3, let's, let's open John chapter 3 and then we'll read. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus. Let's open our Bibles. Let's all open our Bibles. We can follow it on the slides too, but then it's better we open our Bibles and look into it. Hallelujah. A man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council, he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do all these signs you are doing if God were not with him. And we have already established that signs is not a sign that God is with you. Hallelujah. Signs are not signs that the person is from God. Because there are several things. People are doing magic. People are doing so many things. And it doesn't mean that they are from God. Hallelujah. And then Jesus Christ replied to him immediately. That's why I love Jesus. If you study Jesus, he always gives the right response. He doesn't massage mediocrity. Hallelujah. I mean, Jesus Christ could have just ignored what he said and just say, oh, yes, yes, you know, and just massage mediocrity. But no, he corrected him immediately. Hallelujah. It's not about these signs. It's about being born again. He brought him to the gospel. He shifted him from you know, ferry, ferry, or ferry, ferra 
to bringing him to the gospel, eating the nail on the head. And that is what we must always do too. When we go to preach the gospel, we must not dwell much on the peripheral, on the things that are not the gospel. And Jesus Christ said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God unless they are born again, right? How can someone be born again, he asked, when they are old? Nicodemus asked, surely they cannot enter the second time into their mother's womb. Jesus answered, very truly I say to you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Hallelujah. Except they are born of water and of the spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it is coming from or where it is going. It is as so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked? You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things. Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify of what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except one who came from heaven, the Son of God. Just as Moses, hallelujah. So this is, where we are con con this is where we continue today. So Jesus is about to preach the gospel to him. He had prepared a ground. I mean, he had made a statement of the gospel. And now he wants to explain. And we said yesterday is the word anotem, being born from above. What does it mean to be born from above? Hallelujah. Is it a, you know, just like Pastor Victor was reading to us yesterday of what was read from the book of Peter. I don't know, uh, the gospel according to Peter, right? And a lot of, so many gain effect that was added. Hallelujah. But then, is it like that? So if somebody comes to you and he wants to be born again, you know, they are waiting for one spectacular thing to happen. Maybe a spirit should just knock them on the wall and bring them down and throw them up. Hallelujah. And so, Jesus Christ had to explain what it means to be born from above. He's saying that it's not something too gain effective or whatever you call it. You know, after effect, when you design, there are several things that, you know, scientists are creating or all these graphic developers and all those things. They are creating some effects and all. So when you watch some video, you are excited, right? But then Jesus Christ is saying, let me explain it to you. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness. Hallelujah. Verse 14. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Hallelujah. Did you see that? Anyone who do, who do what? Who believes. So the job of a man is to believe. I said it yesterday that the whole activity of the gospel, the whole activity of the salvation of man is done by God. The active, active part of our salvation is wrought by God already. Hallelujah. So what we need to do is to believe. The sinner man needs to believe. The ungodly needs to believe. They need to look on Jesus. Hallelujah. And what does it mean to believe? You know, because it's also easy to just say, well, is it not just to believe? that he died, you know, I, I believe, and then you go away. The man must truly believe, and I mentioned it before, believing is comprising of first receiving the fact that that one you, don't, you do it by your mind, really. 
as you are listening right now, I am preaching some facts to you. Hallelujah. So, you, when you receive the fact, it's mentally or mental accent. That is, you believe it with your head first. Your heart is the, the target. Hallelujah. But then, it has to come through your head. Because I'm speaking to you right now, even though I'm speaking to your spirit, but it's passing through the faculty of your mind. Because you are hearing with your ear. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, there has to be an interest of believing it first with your mind and saying, what does it even mean? Interest. You got attention. Yesterday, I was talking about the vulnerability. We need to be vulnerable. So, the fact that you want to listen is vulnerability. You are interested in knowing what is being said. So, you have to first say, okay, what does it even mean? Okay, Jesus Christ did this, he did that, did that. That's the first part. And the second part is to now put your trust in that reality. Hallelujah. So, it's an active thing also. Amen. It's not a... Oh, uh, two, ten years ago, I, 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 they told me Jesus Christ died. Okay. That's not it. We have to put our trust in it. And that's where we are drawing some attention to today. Because there's an aspect of us in the whole trend or in the whole work of the salvation. The main work has been done by God. He did everything for us. But then there is a part of us believing it. And that belief also is, a, is, a, is an active thing. Hallelujah. It's active because we have to receive it and try to digest it. You are trying to understand it, right? That's what we are doing right now. We are still trying to understand some more and more and more. And then you are, even before you fully understand it, you now give yourself wholly to it. That is, you trust in it. Hallelujah. So, Jesus Christ is saying that it is not mysterious. You just have to believe just like the children of Israel believed in the wilderness. So, imagine a snake beat you and Moses is saying, just look at the brazen serpent and you'll be good. You want to say, no, I need something, something to pour on it. You know, all of us always need something really serious. You know, when we say, receive, you are blessed in Jesus' name. You are like, oh, you need to shake me or something. You know, people want pastors that will just do one mysterious. And that's why all these mysterious pastors are making a lot of money. Because people like senses, they, anything that is not appealing to their sense. So they want you to boil water and pour it on them. And say, you are healed. That one, they will believe it more. When you just say, the word of God says you are healed. Therefore, you are healed. Amen. But Jesus Christ did not even negate the fact that the gospel is as straightforward as this. He said, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man will be lifted up. When we preach, we are lifting the Son up, up, of Christ up. And so when we look at him and we believe him, we will be saved. Hallelujah. Amen. Don't forget, this teaching is for us to preach the gospel. You understand? So these are messages we preach to somebody who is an unbeliever. Amen. Alright. So, Jesus Christ said, um, verse 15, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world. And this verse 16 we often read is very important. It's very important. This is Jesus Christ preaching the gospel. And we are going to look at the apostles preaching the gospel. As a matter of fact, the bulk of our teaching today will be focused on the apostles, how they preach the gospel. Right, so this is Jesus Christ saying, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. What that means is that God so loved the world that He became a man, amen. 
we have been looking at that, the fact that God became man. So, for God so loved the world that he became a man. How did he become a man? He gave his one, in a simpler term, we can say he gave his son. But who is his son? His son is him. John chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was who? Was God. So, it's God who came to die for us. Hallelujah. Praise God. And that's a whole lot of teaching about Trinity, which I know some of us are acquainted to already, right? So, he gave his one and only son that whosoever, anyone, I love this whosoever, it means nobody is locked out. Hallelujah. No one is what? Locked out. Whosoever believe in him should not perish, but what? But have eternal life. But have everlasting life. We talked about it. Eternal life does not mean somebody living forever. Every one of us, either you like it or not, you, we will all live forever, even though it may not be in this um, flesh. You understand? So is it that you live forever with the presence of God or you live forever without the presence of God? And Pastor Lu, what he was trying to mention the other time about God is not in hell. That's a fact. You understand? What makes hell, hell is that God is not there. Praise God. Because the presence of God is eternal life. So, the man who believes in God has the presence of God. And that is why we need to understand another fact that we, right now, are carrying eternal life. How? Because we have the presence of God in us. So, we are the house of God. We, we are the house of God. Hallelujah. So, because of that, we carry the presence of God. And so, we are, we are carrying heaven, basically. Amen. Amen. Do we get what we are trying to say now? Okay, so he said, for whosoever believe in him, and I, I was trying to talk about whosoever, that is anyone. The person may have been an herbalist, the person may have been a moralist, and the person may have not seen at all before. All of us have different experiences of growing up. Hallelujah. Some people are born into a house of paganism. <laughs> I mean, in their house, the things they do are terrible things. You are not used to them. So, don't come and write them off that these ones cannot receive the gospel. No. The scripture says, whosoever, anybody can be saved. Hallelujah. And if they can just believe in him, they will have eternal life. Verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. And this is very important. We are trying to look at it yesterday. The job of God is not to come and condemn us. So, the job of a believer is not to go and condemn people. Amen. This is very important. Please write it down. My job is not to condemn. My job is not to destroy anybody. My job, my job is not to say your life is spoiled already. I mean, as a matter of fact, even if you observe, if you are a very, very good observer, you will discover that no matter what somebody has gone through in life, his life can change. Praise God. So just like I used to say that a story is not pathetic, until the life has ended. Amen. So when you say, when there is life, there is hope. It's, it makes sense right now. You understand? So until somebody's life has ended, the story is not yet pathetic. Because we've seen people who are fools at 40, but at 50, they become wise. You know, but then there's a saying that says, a fool at 40 is a fool forever. It's not true. We've seen people get saved at 60, at 70, towards the end of their life. It makes sense to them. They've been 80s for so long. Hallelujah. So, let's not be quick to condemn. Oh, for these people, there's no way they can receive the gospel. So, let's leave them out. No. The Bible says that God 
son has not come to condemn the world, but he has come to deliver them, what? From their sin, from it. So what is my job? It's not to condemn them, but to, to preach the gospel to them. To tell them of God's love, despite their sin. Hallelujah. Are we following? My job is to do what? Tell them of God's love, whatever they may have done or they have gone through. It's very important. Verse 17. But to save the world through him, whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whosoever, we looked at this place yesterday. Anyone who did not believe is condemned already. So this is our judgment. We are condemned already. Humans. I'm not talking of myself right now. Humans are condemned already because of sin. They are condemned already. How? Because they brought sin. We read it yesterday from Romans chapter 5, right? The Bible says that what? By one man, sin entered into the world. And death came by what? Sin. So we saw that it was man who originated sin, who invented sin. God has made man in his own image. We, are, we can be creators, but we can be creators of good things and not of sin. Amen. But Adam disbelieved. He didn't believe the gospel. So by that, sin was created. And from sin, a lot of things happened. So it's not God who made or who is causing man to sin. Hallelujah. Praise God. So man have sinned, and because of that, God's love is being shared to us. So God is the, is the superman here. He's not man. Amen. Are we, did you get that? God is the, is the what? Is the savior, is the savior, is the savior. God is the star. He's the one coming to save. God is the hero. Amen. He's not man. Man has, we have sinned and have come short of the glory of God. But the glory of God is the solution of man. Yesterday I said, is the glory of God first, then the salvation of man second. Hallelujah. Praise God. So, verse, verse 18. Whosoever does not believe, stand condemned already because they have not believed the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light. Our job is to eradicate darkness from people. Darkness is death. Darkness is death, which come by sin. Hallelujah. So, our job is to what? Eradicate darkness. To take people out of darkness and bring them into the marvelous light of God's gospel. Amen. So, men are condemned because light came, but they love darkness. Let's look at the, the, the word love darkness. It means that naturally, they want to do darkness. Because Adam has given birth to children after his kind. Hallelujah. Just like you and I will give birth to children after our kind. We said yesterday, light give birth to what? Light. Spirit give birth to spirit. Flesh give birth to the flesh. Do we get that? So, because the flesh gave birth to them, they will naturally love flesh. Amen. It's just like you, you, you come to my house right now and you say, I should come and eat, I mean, in Nigeria. So, you come to our house in Nigeria and you are bringing Iran that we must drink Iran. Uh -uh. We are not used to that. Praise God. So, what we were born to eat is what we have loved. Now we are unlearning some of them because we know that ah, this food there eh, is what is making stomach become big. It's not doing this. You understand what I'm saying? The more you do study, you, you get to see some of the things you need to drop and all. I, I'm, I'm trying to use it to, to, to tell you what it means that men love darkness. 
it is a gene. It is in them. It is by nature that they love darkness. Hallelujah. It is according to the likeness of Adam. He gave birth to man in his own nature, in his own likeness. So, men love darkness. So, don't be surprised when you see men doing dark things. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes we are angry and surprised. It's okay. But then, you should not be surprised. They are doing it. It's like when you are surprised when a snake beats somebody. That's the nature of a snake. Praise God. Or when it's, it's like you are surprised when you see a dog barking. It's the nature of a dog to bark. Amen. You should be more surprised at yourself sinning. Let me say that again. You should be more surprised at yourself sinning than you are surprised at other people sinning who are not believers. Hallelujah. Praise God. Did you get what I just said? It's very important we know this because our own nature has changed. We have been bettered after a new order, after a new nature, after the nature of righteousness. Now imagine now a person carrying the nature of righteousness, sinning. Then that's what should surprise us. That's what you should work on. Hallelujah. And the example I often give is if you see somebody who is 10, year old, 10 years old crawling on the floor, what will you say to the person? Can I hear a, a feedback, a response? If you see somebody who is 10 years old, huh? what did he say? Big baby. <laughs> okay, she says she will call the person big baby. What's this big baby doing? A 10-year-old crawling on the floor. I mean, even sometimes, Pastor Victor will spank exploits if she's trying to crawl on the floor at three. Do we understand? Because you say, come on, stand up. Hallelujah. That's what happens to us when we sin. And we're going to talk a little bit more on that today. Praise God. So, let's stop being surprised that sinners are sinning. And let's start being surprised that righteous people are sinning. Hallelujah. So, Jesus Christ is saying they love darkness. And he's not talking about the believer man here. He's talking about the unbeliever. They love it means they are used to it. Right? He says that they love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. That's why they love darkness. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for that the fear of their deeds will be exposed. Vulnerability. We mentioned it yesterday. So, people, many people are not saved because they don't want to be vulnerable. I was talking to a woman. I mean, she was my lecturer. Um, she, she was my lecturer, basically. So, I was talking to her about being a believer. And she was like, well, I just hate, you know, being told what to do. I said, no, in Christendom, we don't tell you what to do. Well, I said, well, I hate the fact that somebody is just noting that something is wrong or something like that. You understand? They love darkness. They don't want to be exposed. Praise God. It's just like when you are doing something and when somebody is coming, you hide it. They love darkness. They don't want to be exposed. If you really want to be a believer that is serious about ministry, you have to be vulnerable. And this, the scripture teaches that. And, you know, maybe some other time when we are teaching about spiritual growth, how to really, really overcome sin is to be open. Hallelujah. So, God wants us to open ourselves to the gospel so that we can be changed by the gospel. The exposure to the gospel of God is what changes a man. And that is why we are talking about it here. That's why we are preaching the gospel to you. When, we, when the gospel is preached to you long enough, you will become what the gospel is saying. 
Hallelujah. Amen. Did we get that? So, um, the last verse that I will read before we go into my notes is that, but whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. So, the light produces truth in a man. So that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Alright, so we were talking about the urgency yesterday. We said no one of the urgencies is because we need to be built. So, we are starting from there today. We must be trained as evangelists that are going. So, the rest of this meeting is about us now and what we are going to say. We are going to do a little practical after so I can call anybody to come and preach the gospel. Two or three persons because that's why we are talking, talking about evangelism. Hallelujah. So, we must what? Be trained. This is very important. We have to be trained. Tarry ye in Jerusalem. Hallelujah. There is a go ye, but there is also a tarry ye. Amen. So, you have to tarry before you go. Imagine the disciples went about doing several things because they feel they, they, have, um, they have been saved before the Holy Ghost came upon them. Imagine. Hallelujah. Somebody said they will just produce people after their kind. People who are not powerful. Who cannot overcome sin. Who cannot leave the gospel. I mean, who cannot even believe. Do we get what we are saying? So, there is a place of tarrying. And that's why we come to church every day. We come every Sunday. That's why somebody who is saying, well, I know God for myself, you know, is wrong. That's not the work of God. The work of God or the wisdom of God is that we are trained in the gospel, in church. So, the first part is we must be trained. And the first part of our training is that, I mean, our training is in two parts, which we are going to talk about today. Huh? The facts of the gospel and the conduct of the believer. Amen. These two parts are very important. So, we'll talk about that today and then we'll try and do our practical. So, our trainings are in twofold. And the first part, which I say is being trained in the gospel, we are going to look at the disciples or the apostles in the book of Acts. You know, we have Acts of the Apostles in the Bible. We'll see how they preach the gospel. So they have been trained. They know what to do. I mean, how many of you desired or you have ever thought that, how I wish I just sit down in a ministration that Paul the Apostle is teaching? Or Peter? I mean, has any one of you thought of that before? Say, ah, I should just be there in a meeting where Paul was teaching. You know, and see how powerful it is. Yes, we were in there. We cannot go back 2,000 years. But we can study it. Amen. We can see a trend of how they taught. And be trained in that particular state. Hallelujah. And be able to preach the gospel that way. So, the first part of our teaching is on the gospel of Christ. And the second part is on the conduct of the believer. So, the part of the gospel of Christ we are dividing it now. Let's look at the teachings of the apostles. Right? So, the first one is that we must understand that the fact of the gospel is important in evangelism. Amen. These are the things that we have been talking about in this meeting. These are the things we have been teaching about. The fact of the gospel, right? The work of salvation is the work of God. Please, these things are very important. We cannot say it enough. As a matter of fact, our message to die is this month. This is our message. So, even if we say it yesterday, even if Pastor Victor said it, Pastor Olu said it, Pastor, Pastor Fred, when he comes up here, we still say it. Amen. Because it must be done on us. Martin Luther said, I preach salvation by faith every Sunday because it looks like the people always forget every Sunday. Amen. 
when you leave church, it's like you forget that you are saved by faith alone, in Christ alone. Hallelujah. So that's why we have to keep talking about it. Amen. So the work of salvation is the work of God. It cannot be the work of man. That was how Jesus preached it. That's what we saw here. For God so loved the world. He did not say for man so loved to serve God. Amen. See, the, the, the life of... Uh, uh, let's, let's, let's open very quickly Ephesians chapter 2. Can we just very be, be quick about it? Ephesians 2. Let's see the, the, the condition of man. The condition... You cannot see a natural man wants to love God. It's a lie. All this um, um, move of spirituality that is going around is not a move for God. It's love for self. They are trying to learn their mind. So they call it spirituality and all those kind of things. Do you understand? Don't be deceived. Man in his natural state does not love light. He loves darkness. So um, Ephesians chapter 2. As for you, you were dead in your trespass transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you follow the ways of this world and the rulers of the kingdom of the air. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Can we see that? That is how man is living. They gratify their flesh. They follow their thoughts. It's not God. Amen. The love of God is not in them. So, it, it first starts with God. God's interest in man is not man's interest in God. There is a vacuum in man, actually, that only God can fill. And so, in them trying to fill that, they, they don't want God. They want something else to fill it as God. That's why you hear many heresies. Well, you, you, are, on your, you are on your own God. You can create your God. All those kind of things. Praise God. So, we must know this and we must tell people about it. That you desire to go to love evil is in you. It's in man. You may not point it at them, but you say it is the nature of a man to love evil, to do the wrong things. But it's the nature of God to seek for the salvation of man. Hallelujah. God wants to save man. God is interested in man. Amen. So, this fact must be known. That was how Jesus preached. And so also the apostles, even the prophets of old, mentioned the same thing. We will take a closer look at... Okay, I already mentioned that. So, these are the major characteristics of the sermons of the apostles. That's what we're going to look at now. Can we open to Acts? Before we go to Acts, let's open the scriptures we'll be opening. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. I want to mention something there. Briefly, before then, we'll, know, we'll go fully into this one. Ephesians chapter 4. Hallelujah. 13. Alright, until we all reach the unity of the faith. Alright, so I want to read from verse 14. We'll be reading to verse 13, 14. So I just want to read to verse 16, from verse 14. So why are we being equipped? So we've talked about the fact that the apostles, the pastors, the teachers... They are going to teach us. They are equipping the saints. Why? Verse 14. That then we will no longer be infant. So the purpose of teaching and training and tarrying in the face of the word of God is that we will not be infants anymore who are tossed back and forth by the waves and teachings and by the cunning and craftiness of the people 
and in deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love. So we are called, we are trained to be an evangelist, but we are trained to go and speak the truth in love. Hallelujah. So that's why we are training us right now. Speaking the truth in love. The truth in love. We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. So the reason why I want to study all these things is that we will not be tossed to and fro. When you know what, the, what Jesus has preached, the apostles have preached, you know what to preach. When somebody is preaching something else, you can help the person. You know, I don't know if some, some people come to meet you. They want to preach to you. They don't know you are probably a believer. So they are doing evangelism on the island and then they come to preach to you. So when they are preaching something they shouldn't preach, you listen, you have conversation and say, actually, I'm a believer. But you know, when you want to preach to an unbeliever, this is what you should preach. Amen. It's okay. It's allowed. If the person is a believer or if he's a humble believer, he will listen also. Then you can have conversation. Praise God. Because so many people preach on the island and what I hear them preach is that God is God can do this one. God can give you this one. That's not the gospel. If we want to preach the gospel, then let's preach the gospel. Hallelujah. So we're going to look at the apostles now. Can we open to the book of Acts? We're going to look at the characteristics of their teaching. So we'll look at different apostles who preached in the, in the book of Acts. Alright. So the, the major characteristics of the, of, the, um, of the sermons of the apostles, number one, is that their preaching was biblically grounded. Please, let's write that one down. Don't go out when you have not been trained. Amen. Hallelujah. That is, they know the scriptures. Hallelujah. Praise God. You see, one of the ways you measure the experience or the expertise of a pilot is how many times the pilot has flied successfully. You understand? If he, if, he has fl if he flew the plane 10 times and he crashed 5 times, even though he didn't die, you are not going to consider him experienced. As much as somebody who flew 10 times and landed safely 10 times. Do we get what we are saying? We have to be trained. That's what we are saying. The apostles were trained. They know what they were saying. Let's open, let's open our Bible to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2. Let's see first Apostle Peter in Acts chapter 2. Amen. So what are we doing right now? We are training us to be an evangelist, right? We have to evangelize. You see the urgency. People are going to hell if they don't believe the gospel. Acts chapter 2. We're going to be reading from verse 14. Peter. Peter addressed the crowd. So this was after the Holy Ghost has come and then they had preached or they had prophesied or prayed in tongues and people were wondering and then he spoke to them. And look at how he taught. Look at how he taught. I'll read from verse 14. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Amen. Can you explain what you don't understand? Can you answer me, please? Can you explain what you don't understand? No. Let me explain this to you. That means he had studied. He had stayed in the place of teachings. He understood. Hallelujah. He was grounded in the word of God. 
in the teachings of Christ at that time. Because he didn't read Paul. He didn't read um, James. He read the Tanakh. Pastor Victor was teaching us about the Tanakh, right? He read the Tanakh and he listened to Jesus. And Jesus Christ had taught extensively on the fact that all these things that you are seeing has been spoken of by the prophet and by the Psalms. Hallelujah. And by Moses. Praise God. So he had read it. So he is explaining it to them right now. And he said to them, let me explain this to you. These people are not drunk. You see, sometimes somebody will just come and confront you. Say you people are praying in tongues. It's like something is wrong with you and you cannot explain. You say, oh, I'll go and ask our pastor. It's okay. I mean, at least that's a good question. Uh, that's a good answer. It's better than running away. Praise God. Do you understand what we're saying? He said, these people are not drunk. And he explained to them. From where? From where? From the what? The Old Testament. Do, did we get what we are trying to say? So the first point is that they are grounded in the word. Are you grounded in the word? Are you grounded in the word? What I was teaching one time about um, the, uh, in being influenced by the word, right? And I said the first thing that is important is understanding the word. And I said understanding many times is dependent on you. If I want to understand what Lizzie will tell me, what will I do? I'll pay attention and ask questions. Hallelujah. Praise God. So, are you grounded in the word? Have you been influenced by the word? Do you understand the gospel? Praise God. So, that's one major criteria. Uh, criterium. Whatever. English. Praise, praise God. Do we understand? That's one major. Out of the many characteristics we've talked about, about the apostles. One, number one, they know the word. They've studied the Tanakh. They've studied the Old Testament. They've listened to Jesus again and again. They've asked him questions. They are not lazy. They weren't lazy listeners. Some of us are lazy. You come on Monday, we say it's five days meeting. You come on Monday, you miss Tuesday. You come on Wednesday, you miss Thursday. You come on Friday. That's laziness. Do we understand? There's no way you are going to be grounded if you are not really interested. Do you really want to understand the gospel? Then you have to be open-minded. It's just like when you study your, your books. If you are going to do a debate, for example, right? What do you do? You go to study that particular stuff you want to do. Number one, they were what? They were grounded. Let's, let's look at what he said. So he didn't just say, let me explain to you. He actually quoted from the Old Testament. Can you quote the scriptures? We are not yet talking about some things you have to see now. But do you even have a scripture that you can quote? Can you quote up to three scriptures here right now? If I'm doing, if not for our time now, I should just give you the mic and say, oh yeah, quote the scriptures for us. That you understand. <laughs> Praise God. See what Peter did. Do you know Peter did not go to carry his Bible? It was important right now. And he had to speak to them right now. And he quoted from the Tanakh. Hallelujah. Say, no, this is what was spoken from the prophet Joel. Can you say it? This is what Jesus Christ said. This is what Paul said that is happening right now. And then you quote it, and he quoted it directly from the book of Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And then he, he said that to verse 21, and he explained 
Amen. Did you get that? He quoted and what? And explained. Many of you can quote. You cannot explain. You know, this is actually one of the major plagues that we have in our generation. And that's why it's not good to just be a, a bookworm. Somebody who can quote alone. You know bookworms, right? People can have all A's, but they don't understand what they are doing. You understand? They do chemistry. They can understand the theoretical part, but when it comes to practical, they cannot titrate. You know titration? If you do chemistry here, how many of you can titrate? Can, can you still do titration right now? Because if you did not understand it, then you cannot do it. Praise God. So, he, 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 he quoted it, and then he did what? He explained it. So, can you quote? Can you explain? That's one of the teachings that we must start telling ourselves. I must be disciplined. This year, we have been talking about the year of light, right? We are the sons of light. What does it mean to be a son of light? You are not just going to quote it, but you can explain it. Hallelujah. And how do you do this? Practically, how do you do this? Because this is a teaching, this is a training that we are doing. How do you do this? You pay attention when you are taught. You have questions, you jot it somewhere. You ask, right? You go back to study. This is very important. This is very important. We do this in our, our career. We do this in our academics. But we don't pay more attention to it in our notes. Some of us are in church, we don't write down. I've mentioned it before. Imagine the apostles did not, were not disciplined to write. How are we going to see the New Testament today? Amen. Maybe we're only going to have the Old Testament. But they explain. Imagine they only explain it in words, pa, 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 and somebody was not documenting it. Are, are you getting what I'm saying? Documenting it is very important. Just like preaching it is very important. And in our documentation, we can help many people learn. So many concepts, teachings of the Bible, we need to write down in books. So all of you should write a book before you die. Praise God. Do we get what we are saying? See, the way you can pass on these teachings to the next generation is by what we preach. Because thank God for media right now. They can hear it. But it's also by what we wrote down. Hallelujah. So, Joel, I mean, that's just by the way. So, Joel, um, Peter explained it. And after explaining it, he called them to salvation. So, don't call anybody to salvation when you have not explained the gospel to them. You see, that's a trend that is so common in Africa. Amen. You did not explain the gospel. All you have talked about today, right now, is money or healing. Eh? And then you now say, if you want to give your life to Jesus, come out. Ow! And so, multitude will now come out. And then you say, today we saved 2,000 people. Is that true? No. Please, let, I want you to respond. Is that true? Was 2,000 people saved there? No. Peter never called them for salvation until he had explained. And how did he explain? You know, you know where he quoted is about pouring out spirit, right? But let me see. Let's see how he explained. Praise God. Can, can, we, can we go to the Bible? Verse 22. He said, fellow Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth. Can you see the explanation? Was Jesus Christ mentioned? Was, was he mentioned explicitly in Joel? No. But see the explanation right now. Our message. 
that's number two though. We'll talk about number two. Let me not jump the gun. So the first number is that we are grounded in the word of God. We know the Bible. Hallelujah. So let's read verse 22. Let's just do it very quickly. He said, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to be your miracle. To you by miracles, wonders and signs. Can you see another sign? I wonder, you know, yesterday I said the, the gospel cannot be given to the next generation by signs and wonders. Except you are looking at it in the context of what Peter is looking at it. So the signs and wonders that Paul, uh, Peter is talking about here, is not the signs and wonders of raising the leg or increasing somebody's leg. Huh? It's the signs and wonders of God becoming man. Praise God. Did we see that? He says that accredited by God to you by, signs, by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him as you yourself know. This man was handed over to you by God deliberately, deliberate plan and foreknowledge and you with the help of the wicked men put him to death. What, did he, what is he trying to preach? Jesus. Jesus must be explained in our evangelism. So number one point, how the disciples preached was what? They were grounded in the word of God. They know the Bible. They know the Bible. They could quote and explain a point. They understood how to use the historical fact. Amen? And, and prophecies to explain the gospel facts and realities. Hallelujah. They were expository in style. They could expose the gospel. They didn't pull out verse out of context. They did not just say, Joel says this, and they just quote one, one line like that. They understand contextual explanation. Amen. Please, this is very important. Are we seeing it ourselves from the book of Acts? We don't have time to be reading all of it. That's why we're just explaining it. Amen. They didn't pull out one verse, just like everybody, people normally do. Error comes out when you just pull out one verse and then you leave it out of context. That's how error is bettered. Amen. Praise God. So, they didn't pull out one verse out of context. They understood the danger of preaching out of context. Another, another fact is that what? They preached properly and clearly and explained to their audience because they understood it. Peter kept the Bible's one story in the mind. Hallelujah. See, the Bible is about one story. Many stories that has a message. So that message that we've been talking about is one story. Because it starts from Genesis to throughout the Bible. Amen. So when we are reading the Bible, we should keep the one story of the Bible in mind. Peter kept that story in mind. When he was quoting, he kept that story in mind. He knows the Bible. That's the point. He knows the word. Please, let's be trained in the word of God before we go out to preach. Else we become a danger in our message. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible is one book with one story about one person. The Bible is what? The story of God's redemption through that one person. Who is what? Jesus Christ. The story is that Jesus fulfilled what? The Old Testament scriptures. We know. So, this is the story of the Bible. Even when we are talking about every other thing, we must bring it back to this story. That is how to preach the gospel. Hallelujah. 
Amen. That's number one. So what's number one in the, in the characteristics of their training? Eh? They were grounded in the word. Right? So number two now is the apostles preached Christ. Amen. No, they, they were not just grounded. Some people are grounded, but they don't, they can, I mean, they can, have you met people who can quote Bible very much? But then, they don't know the message of the Bible. They did not preach Christ. They, they preach the Bible, but they are not preaching Christ. Wow, that's interesting. So it's possible, it's possible to preach the Bible or preach from the Bible and never preach Christ or your, or your, through your ministry. You can have 40 years ministry and you never preached Christ. Amen. Do you know it's possible? You can have ministry for 40 years and all you are preaching there is all the other story. This is happened. So this happened. You know, you can, you can, you know, theologians, those guys can talk about the stories of the Old Testament. You can even write a book about David and Goliath. Some people, um, Malcolm Gladwell is <laughs> not really a believer, right? But then he wrote about David and Goliath. Do you understand what I'm saying? So he brought the story of David and Goliath into the workplace. You understand? <laughs> I'm not saying no reading. It's a good book. You can learn so much, right? But then that's not Christ. Amen. So God is not calling you. We, we are not being sent out to just go and be saying different stories in the Bible. But to what? To preach Christ from those stories. Hallelujah. They focused on Christ. They made Jesus their focus. Just like Paul said, we proclaim what? Him. Hallelujah. In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 28, Paul said, that's who we proclaim. We proclaim Christ in 1 Corinthians. He says that we preach Christ and Him crucified. Christ is our message. So, the apostles were grounded in the word, but they also preach what? Christ. Do we understand? So, that means the focus of you being grounded, the reason why we are saying be grounded in the word, is that so that you can bring Christ out of it. Let me say it again. The reason why we come to church to learn every day is so that we can know Christ. Some of us are here, you know, I, I was talking about what's your greatest treasure, right? Some of us are here not because we want to know Christ. We are here because we want to be influential and be rich. The purpose of studying the scripture is to know Christ. But don't forget, when you know Christ, you will know you. And when you know you, you will be what? Pastor Victor mentioned yesterday. You will be relevant in your generation. Hallelujah. Praise God. This is very important. So, they preached Christ. Let's look at the story. Let's just look at um, Acts chapter 2, verse 36. How did he bring it to, to, to Christ? Verse 36. We read some of it earlier. So, but they said, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, hallelujah, whom you crucified, both what? Lord and Messiah. So in preaching Christ, they preach Jesus as what? As Lord. Hallelujah. It's important. So when we go to preach the gospel, when we go to preach the good news, what should we preach? Jesus. And he quoted that from Psalms chapter 110, actually. So he's actually still buttressing the first point we made. Do we get what we're saying? So they preach that. Then let's let's check. Um, they preach that Jesus Christ is Lord. 
that's what did they preach about Christ? They preached that he's Lord. Number two, they preached that Jesus Christ rose from dead. That's Acts chapter 17, verse 2. Acts 17. Acts 17, verse 2. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scripture, explaining. What was he explaining? Explaining and proving the, that the Messiah had suffered and rose from the dead. Praise God. That's what he was explaining. No, it's not how to be wealthy. So when we are, I'm not saying it's not, it's, it's not right to talk about wealth. We will talk about wealth and money, right? But when you are going for the purpose of preaching the gospel, you explain Jesus' death and resurrection. That's number two. They, they, they preach that he died and he rose. That's the content of the gospel. And then the third one is that they preach that he is the only savior. Amen. They preach that what? He's the only savior. It's not, Pastor Victor was making a joke yesterday and we didn't understand. You should not be told, is Jesus the only way and then you are trying to cut corners. You don't want to say it because you don't want to offend people. The authority of our message is the Bible. Amen. This is how you won't offend people, let me tell you. Say the Bible says. Amen. Be on the safe side. Say, oh, this is, this is not my, these are not my words. These are the words of the authority of the Bible. And I believe the authority of the Bible. So the Bible says Jesus is the only way to God. Amen. So if anybody is angry, they should be angry with the Bible. I, I, I don't know if you get what I'm trying to say. What I say is what the Bible say. So actually I say nothing, but what the Bible say. Hallelujah. Are you getting what we are saying? This is training for evangelism. So somebody will come and ask you, are you now saying everybody will go to hellfire? Say, well, I'm not saying everybody will go to hellfire. I'm saying that the Bible says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one. Hallelujah. You can say, let me repeat it to you. No one can go to the Father except but by him. Hallelujah. Are you saying it? Eh? You are saying what the Bible says. Hallelujah. So I love that song. It says, I will say, I will say what God says. In every situation, I will say what God says. So it's what the word says. And that's why number one is important. Praise God. That we know the word. Praise God. So they declare to them that what? This is the only Savior. Acts chapter 4 and verse 2. Let's read it. Acts 4 2. Acts 4 2. It says, They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection. Hallelujah. Jesus, Him, the only way, the only way to life. There's no other name. It's also in the book of Acts. I can't pick the, the verse now. He says, For there's no other name under heaven given to man by which he must be saved. Yeah? Act what? Act 17. Right. I, I, I don't know. I can't pick the scripture now. If you can get it for us, you can just project it. Hallelujah. It's also in their message. So, what is our message when we go to preach? What is our message? Number one, Jesus is Lord. Number two, 
he rose from dead, right? So if we are saying he rose from dead, what are we saying? He died. So we are trying to say God died. Hallelujah. Are you getting what we are saying? God what? Died. Sir, is what you are saying really make sense? Are you serious at all? God died. Well, the Bible says he died. And why? Because he had to become man. Do we understand that? This is our message. This is how a man is saved. You know, there was this time I was, I was having a conversation with my parents. And I told them, I said, Mommy, what does it mean to be saved? <laughs> don't, 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 be, don't be as naughty as me sometimes. Sometimes I can be naughty. So, I mean, it was a very long conversation. And, you know, it was my mom and my dad. So the both of them were on the phone. So my dad would say, ah, ah, what kind of question is that one? It means that you know God now. It means I say, what exactly saves a man? So we kept talking and kept, ah, ah, you're going to church? Because everything they say, I say, no, no. What saved a man? So they were, they were just confused. That was this one I'm saying now. So until I now say, what saved a man is that a man believes that God became man and that man died and rose again. And because he rose, the sin of man has been dealt with. Say, ah, ah, so what have we been saying since morning? I say, yes, you've been saying so many things, but that is not it. Amen. Do you understand what saves a man? What saves a man is not because a man is coming to church. As a matter of fact, you may have been coming to church from the day you were born. In fact, your daddy can be, okay, before you were born. Oh, that is it's true. May have been going to church before I was born. Because my mom, He'll carry me inside the, preg uh, inside the womb to church. Do you understand? So you can be going before you were born and not know what makes a man saved. No, I'm not saying you are not saved. It's possible you are saved, but you don't know what saved you actually. Now I'm telling you what saved you actually is that you believe that Jesus is the Messiah. So that's, that can be expanded. So what does it mean that he's the Messiah? He mentioned it in Luke chapter 24 that he must suffer these things. Hallelujah. So what, what, what are the things he suffered? He became man. He died. Buried. He was crucified also. And then he died. He was buried. And he rose on the third day. Hallelujah. And because he rose, the Bible says, if Christ has not risen, our faith has no basis. So this is what we preach. This is what our, our tract should carry. That's why um, bro Abraham knows. When we are trying to write a tract, we are saying, is this message preached? Praise God. Because it's possible to write a tract and then we just write it on purpose. You understand? So when you are writing on purpose, link it to this place. Yesterday I said the purpose of man is to what? To know God and to worship him. And how do you worship him? Pastor Lu was teaching us in spirit and truth. So he said they are not two different things. So you cannot say, I am worshiping in spirit but I need to know truth. There's no way you can worship in spirit if you don't know truth. Amen. Do, do we get what we're trying to say? So we worship him. That's our purpose. So we worship him by knowing the fact of the gospel and by being able to proclaim that fact to the world. Amen. Alright, so that's number two. Then number three is that, you know, we said number one is what? They are grounded in the word. Number two is that they preach Jesus. And under the fact that they preach Christ, we talked about some of the things they preach about Christ, right? And then number three, they preach faith in Christ right now. So it's not just that they preach Christ. Huh? 
So they drew it to having faith in Christ. What saves a man what now? It's not only that Christ was born, he died, and what? But that man has faith in that particular fact. Amen. Praise God. Do you get what we're saying? They preach faith in that Christ, in that particular fact, and repentance. They preach it, faith in that fact. Hallelujah. This is where I wrote it to in my book, so let me go back to the laptop now. Amen. So they preach faith in Christ. It means that they know exactly that what saves a man is that man must believe in that thing. And I think we've talked a lot about that, right? So let me not just take much, much time there. But it's very important. Faith in Christ alone is what saves a man. And thank God for the, the, the whole things that have happened in church history, right? Where we talk about faith. You know, before now, it was always about works. And when you mess up, what do you do? You go to meet the priest and you pay some money. Then they wipe your sin. That's not the gospel. Praise God. That's how some people are making money. Even now, they are still doing it now. They'll give, they'll, you buy water that will clean you. Please, don't be, don't be a victim of that. Faith in Christ. There's no... Jesus Christ preached it. The apostle preached it. Jesus Christ said, just as the serpent was raised, Jesus is raised. And what do you have to do? Believe. Look on him. Believe on him. That is faith. Have faith in him. Faith in Christ. That's the only thing that saved us. Hallelujah. So it's very important. Please, let's note this very, very well. They don't mix it. They are not mixing it up. Let's, let's check Acts chapter 14. You know, you can say many things, but you must say this one. Look at what happened. Uh, look at Acts chapter 14. At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went, as usual, into the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the other Gentiles and poisoned their mind against the brothers. Now, the, the, the point I wanted to make there is that they believed. It's not just about, okay, I have gone to... So, when you go, I mean, I'm not saying it's wrong. You are going to sow a seed. So, when you go to preach Christ alone, that's one part of it. So, when you have now saved somebody uh, from hell, is when that person says, oh, I've thought about it now. I believe. Oh, Lord, I believe. I believe that you died for me. You understand? I believe that I was saved from death and hell. I believe that my fears are taken away. I believe that I, have, I now have an eternal hope in Christ because of what Jesus has done. That's when he's saved. Praise God. He's not saved because he has lived, listened to it many times. So I'm just going to ask a question here right now. Are you saved? Are you saved? Do you believe in the virgin birth of Christ? That he was born by a virgin. What that means is that there was no intercourse between a man and a woman for him to be born. That's not science. Do we understand that? 
It's not science, right? So, but do you believe it? And do you believe that child grew up and became the savior of the world? Do you believe that? By dying and rise, uh, being, um, dying and he was raised from the dead, right? And carried away our sin. Until you believe, you are not yet saved. That is our message. This is how we preach the gospel. So when you go and you are, you are about to preach to somebody and the person says, ah, Christian, eh, Abby, I'm a Christian. Thank you very much. You understand? What do you do? You still engage in a small conversation. Do you understand? You say, oh, ah, wow, that's awesome. I'm so excited. Anytime I see a Christian, it excites me. But can we talk about what we believe? So what do you believe? What makes you a Christian? Because we have to re- we have to re-preach to these people. Many of them are not saved. Praise God. So you can ask them, so what makes you a Christian? Let's, let's have a conversation. How did you become a Christian? Oh, when I was coming from travel. You know, I'm, I've, I've attended many revivals. Many revivals. Don't mind me. My parents used to take us to revival. Three days revival. Seven days revival. I, I was still asking my mom. Just last week, I, I was on phone with her. So I was like, ah, mommy, how is everything? And she said, ah, everything is fine. I said, ah, how, how about this pastor? There are some pastors they used to bring. They are not in our church, but they will bring them. And so I said, ah, is this pastor? So uh, he said, it's fine. No. I said, ah, that pastor can preach sembe. I was like, I wish on the sembe again. I said, everything outside the gospel, Nijo. So and my mom said, ah, Kola, okay. I've heard you people that are not preaching sembe, the Lord is with you. You understand? Now we ask of another pastor. I see that pastor that used to barb this kind of this other pastor that I'm saying. He will come, it's always money. You understand? And that and there's one I can never forget. And this these these are the reasons why we need to preach the gospel. Because the things we saw when we were growing up, they are still there. We sing them in songs. You understand? So that man told us, We're doing a vigil. And say if you are sleeping, the wish is blowing wind on you. So that's why you are sleeping. <laughs> I mean, even then, we don't know the gospel, but we know that's not true. <laughs> you know, how, if you have worked hard, you know, you've done so many things, it's only natural that you'll be feeling sleepy. You know, our deacon, huh? the witch must have blown a lot of air on, on that deacon because he was a bricklayer. He's, he's a bricklayer. So he works so hard. He works so hard. And you know, the, 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 the fact that you're a leader, you have to be in every meeting. So after working so hard, he will be in evening meeting and then he will come for night vigil. And this man is tired. So he will be sleeping. But then I should not tell him that his wish that is blowing air on him. That's wrong. Praise God. You see, things that are not the gospel, they are very offensive actually. Praise God. So what are we trying to say? Faith in Christ. We must have conversation with them. We must have it. So if the person say, oh, I'm a Christian, thank you very much. Ask the person for that question. Oh, so what, what made you a Christian? Can you tell me about your, your Christian faith? How did you even become a Christian? It's not about one particular day. Now, this is how you talk about your Christian faith. About how you became a Christian. Listen to this very well. So when they say, tell me about your salvation experience. You know, that's a message for some people. Okay, I said I, I attended a lot of revival. So one of those things I wanted to mention was, so there's this man, he saw it. He saw, no, he, he, he was, I think he went to play. 
in a water, in big water. And so he was drowning. And he was not a Christian. And so he was like, oh God, help me. Save me, save me. If you can just save me from here, I will serve you for the rest of my life. Is he saved? No, talk, talk to me. Is he saved? He's not saved until we have proven further that he believes in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. He was saved from the water. <laughs> if there's any saving that happened to him, it's from dying that time. Do we get what we are trying to say? So when you are preaching about your salvation experience, or somebody says, tell us about your salvation experience. The main thing is not talking about gain effects. It's okay if you, have it, if you have them. But the majority of believers don't have them. Some of us were not sick and then to the point of death. And then we are like, oh, if, if I can just be ill from this sickness, I will, say, I will serve the Lord. Do you understand what I'm saying? The majority of Christians, in fact, more than 90% of the Christians will not have one special, spectacular thing happen. It's going to be just having faith in the work of Christ. So, have a conversation with them. Ask them, what is it that made you um, saved? So, and then what the person should respond, respond to is what? What happened? What? So, what made me a Christian is that after thinking about it, I don't understand it fully, but I decided that I must believe in what? In the fact that there's a man who was giving birth to without the intercourse of a man and a woman. And that man died. He's God. He died and he rose from the dead. That's my, that's my salvation story. Hallelujah. That's your salvation story. That's all of our salvation stories. Amen. Do, do we get that? So there may be different means that we get to believe that thing. But it is one. Amen. Alright. So, can we see number four? Number four is that the apostles preached in the power of the Holy Ghost. That is, they preached by, by the empowerment of God, of the Spirit. They depended, they depended on what? On the Spirit of God. That's one of the characteristics of their teaching. They preached by, the, by, the, by God. Hallelujah. They preached by God. Hallelujah. They received power when the Holy Spirit came upon them. They did not run out. Amen. They went to teach and preach after they have been empowered by God. And that's why we are teaching you to know what the Spirit of God has done in you. Amen. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they continued to speak the word. They were filled. Some of us are filled. We are not speaking. We are using it to, to do other things. <laughs> it can help us with other, other things too, but it's essentially to preach the word. Hallelujah. Praise God. Do, do, do we get what we are saying? So they, they preach by the influence of the power of God. Then the next one, I, I just want to be fast now. The next one is that they preach with boldness. This is one of the characteristics. You know, I'm just going to mention quickly before we end. I'll just mention the points. I mean, I was listening to a man of God one time, and he was talking about things that should be characterized that, that should characterize evangelism. So, but one of these is what we are mentioning here: boldness. They preach with boldness. Several places in the Bible, the Bible says they were bold. Some of us are timid. In fact, if I were the unbeliever, I would not believe what you are saying. 
because you are not sure. Amen. That's why I said don't preach until you have been trained, until you know what you are preaching. And how do you, does it have to take 10, take 10 years? No, for the apostles it took time because it's a process at that time, right? Wait till the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given right now. The apostles it took time because Jesus Christ had to die and resurrect. And for us, we are looking at it from what he has done. It's immediate. Bam. Do you understand what we are saying? So, we must preach with boldness. Just like you can boldly talk about medicine if you are a medical doctor. Or you can boldly talk about engineering if you are an engineer. You should be boldly able to talk about the gospel. How? Don't put your confidence in the flesh. I will say this one again. Because if your confidence is in the flesh, when you are going to preach to a yahoo boy and he's in a nice car, he said, ah, I will, I will do it tomorrow. How many of it has happened to you before? Tell me the truth. Raise your hand. You want to preach to somebody, but the person looks like he's bigger than you, financially or physically or something. They're like, ah, oh, I'll preach it tomorrow. Be sincere. Only one person is sincere here. Uh, okay. It has not happened to you people before. Let's be sincere now. Thank you, bro. Cody. You know, this, is, this happens to us most of the time. Me, it used to happen to me when I still don't know that. My confidence is not. What makes me special and powerful is not my finances or my educational status or my height or my anything. What makes me special and powerful and have authority is the work of Christ. Oh, glory to God. And this is what makes me rejoice in the Holy Ghost. So I can preach to anybody. I was preaching to my professor. He was, he was giving me a lift. <laughs> and I preached to him. And then we had a conversation. He didn't give his life because he didn't believe yet. You understand? But I preached to him. It's something he can think about. And he, was, he, he said, ah, well, you are, you, are, you are the first person that is able to even explain it well to this point. He has said many things because nothing makes sense. If you are preaching money as the gospel, it will never make sense to the rich. You understand? It won't. If you are preaching it as safety to somebody who is, secure, is secured financially, it will not make sense to them. So for him, he said, ah, ah, now you, you are the one that has really explained it to this point that it makes sense to me. But then, oh, he still doesn't believe yet. You understand? I don't know if he has believed now. I'm not there. It has been preached to him. You understand what I'm trying to say? But how can I preach to him? Because my confidence is in God's word. Please, be confident in what you believe. I don't like using this as an example, but I, I will still use it as an example. Have you seen an Abalist before? Some of you have not seen Abalist before. I think we need to do a village evangelism. It's just that I don't know if there are Abalists in Cyprus. If you, go, if you do village evangelism, right? You know, when we were in the university, we used to do village evangelism. And you will see people who so much trust in their power. The way they have faith in that thing, they are confident in it. If you if you've seen Yoruba movies, you see Anabalis, they will be. You have to be that confident in the word of God, and that's why it's not only all that all these things that are even making us scared. Even small failing in school, you are scared. Even small cockroach. 
May the Lord deliver us in Jesus' name. <laughs> you have been delivered already. Believe it. Believe it. Praise God. Please, let's be confident. Nobody will, nobody will change if you are not confident with the gospel. If you attend Reabonki's teachings and revival, he preaches with confidence. Daniel Colinda, they will preach with confidence. They will draw a story, bring the gospel out of it with power, with confidence. So when you are going on evangelism, go with faith and power and confidence. Just like you will be confident in your training, in what you have been trained for, your career. Even much more. This is an eternal fact. Your career is only one aspect of reality. Do you understand what I just said? You know you can be illiterate in some things, no matter how educated you are as a doctor, medical doctor. When they are talking of some things, you cannot even explain. Do you understand what I'm saying? That means you don't know it. But there's an eternal fact, a global fact. This is the same everywhere. The gospel of Jesus. Be confident in it. The Bible says the righteous is as bold as a lion. Do you know how the lion works? I'm not saying put your hand on the floor and walk like that. But then it, it works with confidence. There's a way it works. It doesn't work as if he's afraid of one animal. Go and watch documentaries of a lion. Hallelujah. So let's be bold. The apostles preach with boldness. Boldness. Acts chapter 4 and verse 20. See, we can talk about boldness many times because it's very important. See what they said here. Yeah. Did you see what they said? But as for us, we cannot help speaking it. Do you know where they are here? Who are they talking to? Who? The San Andrin, the people who are. It's like you are with. It's like you are with a Swat Gunsel in, in school setting. Or you are with Buhari. Or the people share in the high places, the Senate power. Do you understand? And they want to shut them up. You see, we, for us, we cannot but speak about it. Hi, Gabala to Shataya. Oh Lord, we receive boldness in your power. We receive boldness in the power of God. We, 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 we will speak about it. We will speak about it. This is very important. Let's not be, let's not be, you know, I don't want to take time to, to talk about confidence in the flesh. They're teaching on his own, right? It's a very long teaching. Confidence in the flesh is what is disturbing us, all of us. That's what is making you timid. We don't put our confidence in the flesh, in the things that are physical, in the things that are terrestrial. We put our confidence in the things that are eternal, that are forever. So, I can speak to a, an athletic genius as I can speak to a money, money genius. Or whatever he is, whoever you are. In as much as I'm talking about the gospel, the ability of God, and my identity in Christ, I don't need to have money to be able to say it. I am rich. I don't have to pay any money to say that. Hallelujah. Do we get what we are saying? Please, let's be bold in our gospel, in the message that we preach. Um, Acts chapter 9, verse 27, and then we'll go to the next point. 
Acts 9, 27. Where is it? Okay, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul in his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly. That's the word. He preached what? Fearlessly. If you preach with fear, nobody will listen. No, you wear the clothes, faith over fear. Is somebody wearing it today? Savarela was wearing it some days ago. But then, are you, are you confident in the word? Some of us, because you think you are a woman, you cannot preach to a man. Or you think you are a man, you cannot preach to some guys. You understand? That's why, you know, if you need to dress well, dress well. You understand? So that you know, one of our pastors, that ah, see, is very old now, that he used to say that there was a time he cannot preach to people who are wearing nice suits. You understand? He couldn't preach to them because, you know, when they are wearing nice suits, you are just like, ah. So what he did is that as he was starting to make more money, he bought a nice suit. You understand? So why a nice suit? So by the time he approached them, they will listen. Do you, do you understand what I'm trying to say? If you need to do your education well, do it well. I asked Boy Gashita, evangelist Boy Gashita, I don't know if you know him. He's, a, he's an evangelist in Africa, a very big evangelist. So I was opportune to, to interpret for him one time like that. So I asked him when we we're having a meeting after that, how has your, because he finished with the first class, how has finishing with first class helped your ministry? You understand? He said there are several places he entered. Because he, he could assess those places because he had the first class. So we're not saying don't have those things. They are important too. They can give you some access. You get. So he said that the fact that he's an engineer, he could speak to some people. So he, 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 he started the conversation as an engineer. And then knock them the gospel. You understand? You, you, you see what? So our goal is what? The gospel. Wherever you are starting from, the gospel. If you have not preached the gospel, don't call for altar call. As a matter of fact, you don't even need to call for altar call. Just preach the gospel. You understand? Praise God. Are, are we following? Are we, are we following? Praise God. Yeah, this is very important. So it's very important. And then, they preach with the listener in mind. They preach with the listener in mind. So have your listener in mind. And this, that's where all these other things I just said came to be. So you cannot just come and meet a a poor person right now. Somebody who is going through poverty. He's hungry. You understand? And then you just say, the Lord so, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Uh -uh. Bro, ask, ask the person first, how are you? If the person says he's hungry and you have some dough in your pocket, some money, don't restrict from buying food. Oh, let's, let's, let's eat here. You understand? Some of us are stingy. That's not in Christ. <laughs> Praise God. And if you need to buy food for them, buy for them. Let's hang out. Let's, we, can, we can just branch here and eat chapati. Or eat uh, lamaju. Whatever you eat. Then, from eating, the person is excited, right? You knock him the gospel. Do you understand what we're saying? So have your listener in mind. Don't be reckless. Don't just say, my job is to preach the gospel. And then you come, you just start... Have them in mind. And how do you know we know we have them? Be concerned about them. Praise God. This is how the apostles preach. Hallelujah. This was what? 
Praise God. Are we here? This was how the apostles preached. So let's let's just reiterate the the point. What's number one? How did the apostles preach? They what? They, they, they know the word. They are grounded in it. They are not speaking from out of context. They know what they are saying. What's number two? They preach Christ. They don't just know the Bible. And then they are only, they're only uh, quoting Proverbs and all, all the time. They preach Christ from it, from Proverbs. Because they know there's a message, right? What's number three? Now, they did not just preach faith in Christ and then faith in Christ. They draw it to these people. You must believe it. If you don't believe it, nothing happens. You understand? So, faith in that Christ that was preached. What's the next one? They preach by the power of the Holy Ghost. By the, so, their confidence is not in themselves. It's in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. So, they go by the Spirit. So, there's nothing wrong in you going by the Spirit. Pray in tongues. If you are going for evangelism, just pray in tongues and say, Oh God, I'm going for evangelism today. I speak your word with power, with boldness. You understand? I'm sensitive. I'm listening. I'm yielded to the word, word of God, to the influence of the Spirit of God as I go. By the Holy Ghost. By the Holy Ghost. And then the next one. They preach with boldness. We cannot overemphasize this one. There's a message I have in my book. Be bold, be loud. That's the topic. Eh? You have to be bold. You see that man that was going to be healed. Some of us are not loud. We are bold, we are not loud. You have to be loud also. See, if you are not loud, your voice will be covered. I'm not saying be making noise so and be disturbing people. I'm saying be loud with your content, with your message, with who you are. Hallelujah. Be loud. You remember that story in the Bible? He said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. They say, keep quiet. Ah, Jesus, you understand? What did he do? The Bible says he shouted louder, even the more. How, how are we going to know that you really need something if you are not shouting louder? If you truly, really want somebody to be saved, you truly, 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 truly want things to get better for you or for your family, you have to be loud. He shouted louder. So be bold and be loud about the gospel. Be bold. Let them know that you know what you are saying. Hallelujah. And then lastly, the what? Eh? With the listener in mind. Hallelujah. Alright, so that's the first part of what we're talking about. And then the second part. The time is. Okay, I still have five minutes. Alright, praise God. Because I wanted to be sure of that. Alright, so I said that we are having two parts. That number one is that what? We must be trained. And then number two is that what? Okay. I said number one is that we must be trained. And under that, we have trained in the fact of the word. And then the second part, the conduct. Hallelujah. So we're going to be going into that part now. And is, this is very important. You know. I tagged it words without deeds. Hallelujah. Words without deeds. And, you know, I had to do some research, some learning some readings about this part because I know it's very important. Praise God. You know, there's a there's a set of people that are a set of people that they put everything about the gospel on deeds. You understand? That's wrong. 
Why there are some people they think it's only words? That's also wrong. Praise God. It's both. We have to do what we preach. Hallelujah. We have to what? Do what we preach. So when we preach, huh? We must do what we are preaching also. Because people, in fact, one of the ways in which people will be interested in what you want to say is what you do daily. Amen. That's not what will save them. Let's not mix it up. Praise God. See, I, I wrote it in my book this way. There's a part I wrote in my book. I said, just as pilot and doctor, imagine pilot, a pilot who, and he just, he was smoking. And they, I mean, he was coming to the cabin. All of you are there now. They are just, maybe they are, what do they do? What do we do? They clear you. They are clearing you to enter the plane. And you saw the pilot and the crew. Eh? They are smoking and they hold NSC or any of these hard drinks. And they are drinking it at that time when they are going to, to fly the plane. What will you do? <laughs> no, 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 for real. I need to hear. What will you do? Eh? He said, okay, maybe I'll, I'll go and push my ticket till the following day. Do you understand what we're saying? This is very important. Now, drinking NSC or smoking at that particular point, is that the ability to fly the plane? Please respond. Is that the ability to fly the plane? No. But we attach that, those things to their buoyancy, to their, eh? to their effectiveness. We attach it to it. There are several things. No, the, a doctor, the job of a doctor is to administer some things, to do operation, a surgeon will do operation, right? So that's, that's the main thing he's trained for. But there are so many things that is attached to it to make that ineffective. Praise God. We give him an office so that he can become, he can pay attention if he need to study some things. This is very important. Please be noting these things I'm saying down. It's very important. And I'm telling you the importance of our conduct in our message as an evangelist. Right now. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, all of these things we gave to him is not what he's going to teach or going to use exactly. But they are very, very important in him being able to do them effectively. So also, so what? Also, our conduct, the things we do, position us to be able to effectively minister the gospel to people in our space. Hallelujah. Praise God. Are, are we getting me? Are we here? All right. This is very important. Many of us have killed the interest of people in even wanting to learn about the gospel. Amen. We kill their interest because of how we do things. How we live. And we know we know, we were saying it yesterday, the world is in dire need of the gospel. Now imagine you not creating an atmosphere for them to learn that gospel or to hear that gospel because of what you are doing. Amen. This is very important. So many of us are just words, no do. No action, no deeds. 
And this is where we must allow God to also help us. We must allow God to help us to believe the gospel truly. Because if we truly believe the gospel, we allow it to influence everything we do. Hallelujah. Praise God. Are we following me? Are we here? Alright, so let's open 2 Timothy. I pray God will grant us grace. I pray God will grant us grace. I pray that God will grant us help in Jesus' name. Where does it say? 2 Timothy 3, verse 5. And this is a scripture that I want to read to us because I believe it's very, very important with what we're doing. You know, I'm, I'm not going to use this. We've always used this scripture to talk against uh, people and all. I want to use to talk to you today, right? 3 and verse 5. I'll read from verse um, 1. Let me even read from verse 1 and to 5. Amen. All right, can you hear me? But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of what? Money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, for unforgiven, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of, good, of, of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Now verse 5, which is our point place we're going. Having a form of godliness, but what? Denying its power. Having nothing, have nothing to do with such. Now I want to use this one to talk to us as evangelists who are preparing to be an effective evangelist. Having a form of godliness. We can say it, right? Anytime we misbehave, we are denying the power of the gospel to free us from sin. Please write it down. It's not as if we don't believe it all. You understand? Is that you are denying it. Yeah? Okay. I said anytime we misbehave, anytime we misbehave, we are denying the power of the gospel to free us from sin or that it has freed us from sin. That's why Paul said, uh -uh, how can somebody who is dead to sin be doing it again? Praise God. If I am crawling on the floor right now, what am I doing? I'm denying the, you people the knowledge of the fact that I have the ability to walk. You understand? And you know I can do that long enough and it becomes my norm. Even though I can walk. Praise God. Are, are, we, are we getting this thing? Please, I want us to get this because I don't want us to mix it and also turn it wrongly. Praise God. Our deed is important. What we do is important to the message we will preach. It's not the message, but it's important. It's important to how people will listen to us. It's important to how, you know, if you are going to a, a, a community as a missionary, what do you do? You research about that community. You know what is offensive to them. You understand what I'm saying? You want to prepare yourself so that you will not be a source of offense to them. Because if you are a source of offense to them, they cannot listen to you. And if they don't listen to you, they cannot hear the gospel. And if they don't hear the gospel, they cannot be saved. And if they are not saved, they are going to be damned. And we have the vast majority of people being damned day by day. Are we getting what we are saying? This is very important. If you are going to be trained as a gospel minister, 
you have to also be disciplined. And the Bible is not quiet in that aspect. Amen. Are we sleeping? Amen. The Bible is not quiet in that aspect. Everybody, Jesus Christ preached it. Paul preached it. All the apostles preached it. Conduct. They preached the conduct of a believer. They encourage, right? They talked about it. Titus talked about it. And Paul spoke about it in Titus. He spoke about it in Timothy. He spoke about our conduct. How should we relate with one another? If you are that guy who is sleeping with everybody in the street and is known to everybody, and now you want to come and preach the gospel, even though you are preaching the accurate gospel, they may not hear you. They will not pay attention to even understand. Do you get what we are saying? So, just as everything else that we are doing for a medical doctor is not what the medical doctor is supposed to do. That's not, that's not what it is. Essentially, a doctor is just coming to what? But then, you cannot allow a doctor who has just finished being I to come and work on you. I don't know if you get what I'm trying to say. You won't allow that. Maybe they, they just woke him up. His eye is still, still doing that thing and then you are sick. Even though you truly know that he can save you, you'll be scared. They will probably have to sedate you for you to allow such a person to work on you. Because you know that he will just mistakenly do something. But him being I, is it what he's going to do? No. But yet, you, you believe that him being I can affect his ability to do effectively what he should do. The same thing. Our conduct can affect our ability to preach the gospel correctly. Or can affect the people from hearing and understanding the gospel. And we are denying them of so many things. And so, like, I, I, I'm going to quote um, A.W. Tozer here. Really? <laughs> he says, here lies our deadliest snare of the religious life. Right? Here lies our deadliest snare of the religious life. The modern Christians are long of talks and short on conduct. Okay, that's the term of traders. If you don't know, to long means you are saying you are buying it. Right? Trader Alfred <laughs> and Trader Daniel. You know? To long. That is, you, you are subscribing to this one and you are shorting on this one. That is, you are selling this one. So he said, we are long on talks and we are short in deeds, on conduct. We use the language of power, but our deeds are deeds of weakness. Our Lord and his disciples were long on deeds. The, the, the scriptures depict a man walking in power and went about doing what? Good. He went about doing what? Good. Are you doing good? going about in all you are doing are you doing good or you are the one who is doing the terrible things when you come to preach a lot of things are predicated on if people will hear you or not hallelujah are we getting this because this is very important in our preparation in our training to be a, a, an effective evangelist james also talked about faith without works right He's not saying work is the main thing, but he's saying that to your faith at works. Let's not be believers who can only rejoice on Sunday because we are talking about words of power, and then on Tuesday we are down because we are just weak as always in doing wrong things. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
we must be consistent. God must help us to be consistent. Our ministry will become effective with consistency. And this is why we have to expose ourselves more and more and more and more to the word of God. Hallelujah. Our conduct is important. Much talk and okay, there's a quote of a poem. He says, he would rather be a sincere pagan. That's, this is what the poet said. He said, he would rather be a sincere pagan who believed in a God that does not exist or that did not exist than be a sophisticated Christian who disbelieved in, the, in a God who did. Do you understand? Form of godliness denying the power. So some of us, we, we believe that God exists, but we disbelieve by what we do. You understand? It is, we, we have to let people know by what we preach and what we do. What we preach, we save them. What we do, we help them to listen to what we preach. Do we get that? So what we do is not for God. Do we get this now? Please write that down. It's very important. What we do, this conduct part that we are talking about, is not for God. It's not because of God. It's because of the brethren, the ministry. It's because of our ministry. It's because of our ministry. Much talk and little deeds have characterized us in recent times. We say with our mouth and doubt in our heart the ability of God to deliver us from sin. I wrote this one. When it is being said right now, we say it, we're excited. But as we are saying it, almost simultaneously, in our heart, we are saying, ah, I know I cannot be free from lying to people, but God is powerful. No. Anytime we do that, we are denying the power of God. It's not, it's not only unbeliever that denies the power of God. Though. Praise God. See, that's why we started from where we said that you should be surprised. You shouldn't be surprised. We should stop being surpri surprised that unbelievers are sinning. They are sinners, so let them sin. Do you understand? But we should be more surprised that believers are doing wrong things. That believers are walking in the walk, in the activities of the flesh. Because the, the Bible declared, this is the activities of the flesh. And our surprise should not bring us to the place of now being beaten down by guilt. Huh? It should bring us to the place of where we'll be trained out of that um, particular kind of life. Hallelujah. This is very important. The recent church, or the, the, <laughs> the church in the recent time, let me say it here. It says, much talk and little deeds have characterized the church in recent time. We say with our mouth and doubt the ability of God to deliver us from sin. We have become content in repetition of words that than to act one, that to act on, on the one we have said. Hallelujah. The attitude of submitting or substituting the word for deed are not new. Apostle John wrote, we should not love in words. So it's not a new teaching. It's also in the scriptures. It's so glaring. Paul, John said, don't love in words. James said it, faith without words. Um, faith without words. I mean, Paul said it. I mean, where's James, right? James said it, Pastor James. Do we get that? So John said it. Paul preached it. 
He preached conduct. Jesus Christ preached it. So let's not be... And Jesus and the apostles, they were long on, on deeds. The Bible says the thing that Jesus Christ began to do and to preach. And he said, he went about doing good. So our conduct must be good. It's important. Hallelujah. Amen. Let us say not things we do not mean. Uh -huh. Now, when I say, when I say um, conduct, I'm not only talking about our doing too. It's also going to be part of when we say things that we don't really believe yet or we don't mean. You only should say things that you mean. Do you mean it that God has power? Do you believe it? Do you understand what I'm trying to say? We must quit saying the things that we don't mean. We must not say what we don't mean. Say the word of God. Believe it and mean it. Until you believe it, you don't mean it yet. Do you understand what I'm saying? If we have not believed, we don't mean it. You are just saying it as if somebody is reporting. Hallelujah. So this is very important. This is very important. So we're not leaving us to just say, okay, that power, that part alone, not this part. No. Deed gives body to the words that we are preaching. Deeds, actions, conduct, they give a body to the words that we are preaching. Do you understand? Our words, when they come out, our action gives them a channel. It gives them body. Hallelujah. Believe God's promises and obey his commandment. Practice the truth and we may, with propriety, speak the truth. When, you know, what gives you more confidence to speak the truth is if you have practiced the truth. Hallelujah. You are more confident to speak it when you have practiced it. So, this gives channel, it gives body to our words. As we do act of power, our words will take a new authority. And this is very powerful. Please write this one down. As we do the act of power, that is, the actions of the man in Christ, as we begin to do them, our work will, be, will become more powerful. Even we, we will start respecting our words. Do you know that? Some of us lack, we cannot trust other people because we don't know, we cannot even trust ourselves. So we look at every other person in the light of how we live our life. Do you know that? Even psychologists have discovered that. But that these are things that is there already. Most of the time, people look at other people. You, you think everybody is a thief because you are stealing. Let me just make it plain. That's what I'm trying to say. So because you are probably sleeping around, you think everybody is sleeping around. That kind of a thing. So, but then, by the time we are allowing our conduct to be influenced, to start doing the act of power, our words even becomes more authoritative. Because when we are speaking right now, we are speaking power. Amen. Do we get what we are saying? So please, let us not erase it. Let us not think that, oh, let me just know what to say. Mm -mm. Also know how to live. Hallelujah. Praise God. Are we here? If you are here, shout. Let me do like our pastor in when we were younger. If you are sleeping, shout hallelujah. <laughs> that's, how, that's how one of my pastors when we were younger do. So he said, he will be preaching with me. He said, if you are sleeping, shout hallelujah. I see everybody will just shout hallelujah. All right, so I know those who are sleeping right now. So please, we are about to, I mean, I'm closing. 
like Pastor, like Pastor uh, Ulu, I'm closing soon. <laughs> All right. Okay, so as we do the act of power, our words will take a new authority and a new sense of reality will fill our heart. You understand? There's a new sense of reality that fills our heart when we begin to see ourselves act in God's word. You understand? You're not just saying it because we were told right now. You're saying it because you believe. In Acts chapter 4, it happened. You understand? When, when Jesus Christ had preached to the woman, Pastor Lou was teaching, reading it the other time, but if you read it further to the end, the woman went out to preach to other people. So those other people came. They came to listen. So they now said that now we believe, not because you told us, but because we know from him. Praise God. So it's a progression now. You've been told the gospel. You have believed the gospel. Let the gospel have effect in you and how you live. These, all these stages have new levels of authority and feeling. You understand what I'm saying? Hallelujah. So please, I want to encourage us as people who are going to preach the gospel, who we are sending out. When Jesus Christ was sending his people out, huh? he trained them. Amen. He trained them in many things. And, and that's why I was saying yesterday that the things Pastor Costin will say, Pastor Fred will say, Pastor, you know, different pastors will correct you when you are doing something. It's out of love. It's to train us for the work of ministry also. So our training is not just to preach the fact of the gospel alone. It's also to help us to live the real life that the fact of gospel is producing in the life of men. And brothers and sisters, may I tell you that the, power, the gospel is powerful. Amen. The gospel is what? It's powerful. Paul said, I am not ashamed to preach the gospel of Christ because it's the power of God unto salvation. So, the gospel is powerful. Number two, the gospel can build you. Acts chapter 20 and verse 32 says, I commend you to God and the words of his grace which is able to do what? To build you up. Hallelujah. Are you built up? Are you being built up? Amen. Now, you know, I, I told you already, I'm not talking about the fact of the gospel right now in that aspect alone now. I'm talking about the conduct aspect. Are you being built up to be disciplined? Are you being built up to live a life that other people will be interested in what you know? Hallelujah. Are you being built up? Are you allowing the word of God to build you up? What is ruling your life? You know, if every other thing is ruling your life and the only thing you can say is the word, nothing, something is wrong with you. You understand what I'm saying? If the only time we know you are a believer is when you are preaching the word, something is wrong. It's not right. You know, yesterday I said that if you want to write the act of, the act of uh, Apostle Victor Marcus now, Want to write, let's say, want to write the act of his life. You are going to talk about the fact that he got married. Are you? You are going to write about the fact that he, he did PhD, he's lecturing in near East University, he has two wonderful daughters. You understand what I'm trying to say? Now, if in writing or in living those things, huh, 
we cannot know also that he's a believer, then something is wrong. Do you get what I just explained, please? It's very important. So in us being a student, being a business person, being a husband or a wife, being a parent, there has to these these stories of our life must also show. But then what then caps it up? What gives it power is the word of God in our mouth. You understand what I'm saying? So I'm not saying what you are doing is that which will save a man. But what you are doing will help somebody to want to listen to what you have to say about the gospel of Christ. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Alright, so this is this is um, Alright, so I, I need to mention this because it's very important. The, the believers does not have a love problem. We don't have a love problem. We don't have a faith problem. We don't have a holiness problem. Hallelujah. We don't have... What other problem don't we have? <laughs> we don't have all these problems, basically. We don't have a power problem, yes. We don't have a power problem. We have been given them. We have been given all of these things by the work of Christ and by the work of God, by the active work of God. So we don't have all of these problems. But then we must show the world that we don't have such problems too, by the way we live. Do you get me? I must show the world because they live by sense. They don't live by revelation. And they are important to God also. Remember our urgency? The world is going to hell if they don't believe in Jesus. The third one, what's the third one that was said? The whole world is decaying right now. Several terrible things are happening. Are you adding to those terrible things? And then you say you're a believer. It's not right. That's not how God wants you to live. Hallelujah. All right, so the, 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 the last part, in the, in the last few minutes we have, we just want to try and demonstrate because I, I, I really wanted us to do I really wanted us to do um, to do that. Praise God. So, um, I'll just use two minutes to talk about this. I, I think I skipped one thing I want to mention. And then we'll do that. So, please, I'll call you. Be ready right now. You are going to preach the gospel. <laughs> Hallelujah. Alright, so, I, I just want to mention this, right? I, I read it somewhere. So one of the books of AW2 that I read. So I, I remember I added it to this place. And I want to read it to us. That um, the problem of man is more than moral problem. And we've talked about it. It's, it's not just moral. You understand? That's why psychology cannot solve the problem of man. <laughs> you know, counseling cannot solve it. You understand? So the, the main cause, the root cause must first be solved. And the reason why I believe, huh? you know, somebody was asking me, ah, ah, how can you marry somebody who is not a Yoruba person? It's not just not a Nigerian, but not a Yoruba. Because you're encouraged to marry somebody who is close to your line so that you can think. You understand now? So how can you marry? I said, I married such, I can marry a believer who is not from Yoruba because I believe the word of God is able to create the person to who God wants. Praise God. So the core, because the core of a man has been dealt with, the reason why I have faith in all of us here right now is not because of psychology huh? or the ability of scientists. It's because I know you believe the word. You are interested in the word of God. So because of that, everything is possible. 
in your life. So when the core has been dealt with, it's easier to deal with other things. So it should be easier for you to even make money and do all those things when, when, when you've allowed the world. Because if you are not timid, it's, it's easier for you to make money. If you are not a, weak, a, a, a timid person. Timid people cannot make a lot of money. Sorry, it's the truth. Praise God. So you have to break out of timidity. And I think I mentioned it in our leadership training that time. You learned it. You learned how to be timid. So you cannot learn it. Babies are not timid. They cry. In fact, as you are burning them now, in three minutes, if they don't cry, you are giving up. One of our counselors was telling us that when they gave birth to their child, their first child, I mean, their, their first child or so, or their second child, one of the two. Okay, the second child. The child did not cry for three minutes. You understand? So he was just saying, please, just save my wife. I've, he's giving up on the child. And the reason why he didn't cry for three minutes is because she was bigger than the pathway she was coming from. So because of that, she couldn't come out of the, of the womb, like of that particular pathway. And they had to break her hand so that she can come out, so that the woman will not die. You understand? So they removed, they removed this joint. And oh, you know, it's very easy to do. So they just break it. And so they made the baby come out. So for about three minutes, she didn't cry. And so he was already losing hope that just leave at least my wife is safe. We can make another baby, you know. But um, praise God, after three minutes, she cried. You know, and then, so many, that's a miracle, right? She cried and she became a normal child. The end, everything was okay right now. She's even smart. They, they thought it was not going to be, it's going to be a dull child. So I'm saying that to say this, right? That in as much as the main work is done in us, you weren't timid as a child. You learned it. So, the word of God is teaching us boldness. The word of God is teaching us how to even live life. So, when we allow the word of God to influence us, every other thing is taken care of truly. Amen. So, psychology is not our solution. Medical breakthroughs are not our solution. Therapy, counseling, they are not the solution of a man's problem. The solution is Christ. And he has given it already. Hallelujah. Are we blessed? Are we blessed? Are we blessed? All right, let's have a practical session of evangelism. Where are you? Come and preach to us. Very quickly, uh, let me, if you want to nominate yourself. Are you going to nominate yourself? All right, um, sister. Can you tap that sister? She's looking down. Please, can you stand up? Let's clap for her as she stands up. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, be quick, be quick. Stand up now. Um, brother, please, can you stand up? Yes. Yes, please, as you're standing up, be coming, be coming to the front very quickly. Oh yeah, now, come, come, come now. <laughs> yes, 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 thank you very much. Um, please, can you come? Yes, you. You now? No, she's behind you. You stand up now. What's her name? <laughs> eh? No, no. She's behind Amarachi. Amanda, please stand up. Thank you. Please let's clap for her. She did not want to stand up. Amanda is here now. Oh yeah, come, oh yeah, come. Be quick, be quick. Be quick. All right. And then um Esplay. <laughs> oh yeah. So Esplay is your child. 
and, and they, they'll preach to you. So he's bringing his child from school, and you meet him. You want to preach the gospel to him. Let's have you preach the gospel to him quickly. Can we clap for her as she preaches the gospel? Oh, okay. So you will be coming, and he, she's going to preach to you. Oh, yeah, now. Do it quickly. Oh, yeah, you guys should meet now. Please, we have, we have a short time, so we have to do this quick. Quickly. You should meet here in the middle. Uh, please, let's all see this. It's very important. We are training us to be evangelists, and this is a practical session. Right? All right, so let's do it. Yeah, no. <laughs> you see, the person you want to preach is laughing at you already. <laughs> Please, this is very important. Let's do this. Let's do this. God is your strength. Let's pray God is our strength. Oh, yeah, now come and preach. This guy is going to go to hell if you don't preach to him. No, in this, in this drama, <laughs> he's a believer. Are you afraid of going to hell? Eh, hey, now you're a believer now. So you can't go to hell. A believer cannot go to hell. We know that already, right? Uh, so if I say this guy will go to hell, if you don't preach to him, I'm not saying you'll go to hell. If you, have if you have believed the fact of the gospel, you have been saved from hell. No prophecy can take you to hell. Nobody can say, you will go to hell. Don't, don't fear. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're a child of God. <laughs> All right. Oh, yeah, let's do this. So far, she met him. She said, good afternoon. Are you a Christian? Right? Oh, no, said, I want to preach to you. How are you? Okay, she said, how are you? She, he said, I'm fine. I'd like to preach to you. Are you a Christian? Um, what do we think? Is that the right method? No, please, let's respond. It's very important. Is that the right method? Should it be that way? Now, if you were the one to be preached to, will you really have time to listen? Yeah? All right, so it depends. Okay, so for, for him now, for the kind of person, he's walking on the way. You understand? So it's better you try and find something to make the person comfortable first. You understand what I'm saying? Like something like, oh, how are you doing? Let's say you meet on the island. The island is a common ground. I'm Kola from Nigeria. You understand? So if the person is a Nigerian, that's common ground. You understand what I'm trying to say? So you talk to the person from a common ground before you start talking to the person. Or, oh, can I have some, time, some, some of your time? I, I would like to share some things with you. So let's try it again. And be bold. If you are not bold, now if I cannot even hear what you are saying, how will I even respond? Do we get what we are saying? Please, it's very important. All right.
Can we appreciate them? I mean, that's, that's, that's a scenario. Yes, you can go. No, you stay still. All right, so that's a scenario where somebody is going and you are going. How do you preach to such a person? How do you do that? How do you do that? You greet the person. People like to be greeted. You understand? People like their names to be mentioned. So ask the person their name. Oh, my name is Kola Wali. Especially if the person knows you are not coming to come and toast him or her. I'll be toast her. Because I remember when I say I, I greeted a lady. She did not respond. I guess she thought I was going to... Hallelujah. Yes, two is enough. Let's not make it too much. All right, so, um, brother, come. Yeah, don't worry. You didn't want gist. <laughs> She's excited. She wants to gist. <laughs> All right, so who's going to come and preach to them? Now, this is very important because some of us don't know how to do this. We are scared. We are, nobody will bite you. The worst thing they can say is go away. And please honor them. Praise God. You know, we said you have to put the listener in mind. So if the listener say, I don't want to listen right now. Something is wrong with me. If it's something you can solve, solve. If you are not able to solve, go away. It's okay. You understand what we're saying? It's very important. All right. So, um, Sabarella, come. Quickly, quickly. Can I clap for her? So, we are doing evangelism day right now. And Sabarella is going to do evangelism. Hallelujah. And so she, as she was looking for somebody to preach to, the Lord has provided this brother and this sister who were gisting. I don't know what they were gisting about, but then you, have, you, have to, you want to preach the gospel to them. Good afternoon. How are you doing? 
My name is Ella. What's your name? Oh, I like your hair. It's really nice. Where did you make it? Saloon. That's nice. Um, can you spare me some time? I just want to share something really um, interesting. I'm sure you really like it. Um, it's about the love of God. Have you heard about it before? The love of God. Okay, so what is what do you think about love? What is love? What can you explain about love? It's a deep affection. Okay, so more like I just need more. Sorry, I'm wasting. Sorry, I know I'm not wasting your time, but I just need more expansion. Okay, so what what do you mean by deep affection? Okay, okay. So okay, I just asked what is the love of God. So that means that. Um, the love of God is you have a deep affection for something or someone. Yes. So what the love of God is that God, um, Christ came. He came to die for us, for, for our sins. He came and died and then took away our sins. You know, if I tell you to die for somebody, I'm sure you will not die for that person. Exactly. So it's only one person that did that, which is Jesus Christ. So he has come, he has taken away our sins. And all I need to do is just to believe. Done. Just stay like that. Thank you very much. Can we, can we appreciate them? I mean, this is a very, a very accommodating stranger. You understand? He's accommodating. So we meet some of them once in a while. When you are going for evangelism, you meet somebody who is really cool. And you can say, what is the love of God? And the person will say, love is affection. Another person will say, say what you want to say. I have some things to do. You understand what we're saying? And because you meet somebody who is accommodating, it's okay. You can ask them questions. It helps them to know that I mean, they will be more comfortable with you. And so um, when he, he said love is affection, what should you have done? Just, oh, that, is, that means God has an affection for you. Just because if you, if you also dwell too much on asking questions, you will lose their interest very soon. Because they are also working with time. Everybody has the time. You understand? Except they, they are in the point of their leisure. You understand? So we must know the different situations that we can meet different persons. Amen. Praise God. No, so this is really very important. And when you preach to them, after I preach to them, what should you do? It's okay to pray for them or pray with them. You understand? Oh, I, I finished praying with you now. Um, I finished talking to you now. I don't know if you have anything in your heart you would like me to pray about for you. I believe God is able to do all that he promises to do, all that he has promised us to do. He is able to do this. He is able to do that. So the person says, well, can you just pray for my sister is going to school? You understand? And then you pray for them. You give them word of wisdom in that particular prayer. Don't forget, we said the apostles prayed with the influence of the Spirit. The influence of the Spirit makes power available. Hallelujah. So you can heal the sick when you are preaching. In that particular place, you can pray, oh, something is wrong. What's, what happened to your leg? I can pray for you right now. And then you pray for the person. It's very important. Hallelujah. Thank you. Can we just appreciate them? Thank you for, so much for coming. All right. Because of our time, I'm just going to round up now. Um, we didn't have enough time to practice. But please, the essence of all this training is that we become better at evangelizing. We know what to go ahead with and how to dispense that. Evangelism is not salesmanship. 
is not you going to sell something. It's preaching the word of God. And I pray the Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Can we just bow our heads as we pray?